guess uh, the offering plates are in the front and back, and do that after the service tonight. And uh, take your Bible and turn to Second Timothy chapter three and verses one through verse fourteen tonight. And Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses one through verse fourteen tonight. And if you found your place there, when you do, let's stand and read it tonight, and then you can be seated. The Bible said this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, furious, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, for ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, now as Jans and Jamborees withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds retrobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no farther, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Persecution, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Icona, and Leicester, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you and be seated, our Father. As we come tonight, Lord, we thank you to be able to be here tonight. Uh, Lord, I thank you tonight for what lies upon the pulpit, uh, Lord, tonight and every time we stand, the Word of God, and uh, Lord, we ask you to bless your Word tonight. Thank you for your faithful people, uh, Lord, that are here tonight and occupying until you come, and uh, Lord, I pray you'll bless them tonight. If they be one lost tonight, I'm sure you're aware of it. Make them aware of it. Uh, Lord, as we come this evening, Lord, I confess my inability uh, Lord, to do anything, but I do bring my availability and offer myself to the Lord and uh, ask that, Lord, you forgive me of all my sin. Make me a clean vessel, for they that bear the vessel of the Lord must be clean. And, uh, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will say what He wants to say tonight and be able to do what He wants to do tonight in this service. Lord, may we be an encouragement and uh, may we be edifying tonight. And the Lord help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. We're living in perilous times, and that needs no, uh, that needs no uh, uh, talking about. We all realize that, and all the things we read down through there that we've read, we see it going on. And it's uh, perilous times. There's not a whole lot of people that's got a lot of peace. Uh, and we see that as we look around. We see that. Uh, and the suicides, the numbers of suicides are going up. And sad to say, a lot of times it's young people that are doing that. Uh, and we see that in the shootings that take place every day in our, in our cities and our towns. We uh, see people that for no apparent reason are killing other people. 
And we see that through the surges of drugs that we hear constantly about coming across our border and uh, the drinking that we see all around in our town and lets us know that people don't have any peace. Uh, but I want to preach tonight because I believe there is a way and I want to preach tonight on how to have peace in perilous times. Uh, I believe there is a way that even though times are perilous, that God's people can still have peace. Amen. And uh, Jesus said we could, so I believe what he said, and I believe that we can. And uh, let me give you a few things here uh, tonight uh, about how to have peace in perilous times. Uh, People in the Bible did it, and uh, times much worse than what we're facing now, and people in the Bible showed that they had peace. We'll see a little bit of that tonight. But the first thing tonight, if you're going to have any peace at all, you have to receive Jesus Christ. Uh, If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any real or lasting peace. Apart from Him, there is no real or lasting peace. Now, you might have peace, and you might say you got peace, uh, uh, but it's not a peace that will last or endure. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Jesus told His disciples, He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace. I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Two times in that 27th verse we find the word peace. And as we look at that tonight, we realize that Jesus wouldn't give it to them, told them to have it if they couldn't have it. Amen. And so actually he mentions two kinds of peace in that verse. And there's two kinds in the world tonight. Uh, Jesus said that there is my peace. And the peace that Jesus gives is different from the peace that the world gives. He said in verse 27, my peace not as the world gives. You say, what kind does the world give? Well, here's what the world gives. They, uh, they come on and say, well, the diplomats in Washington, they've went and they sat down at the peace table and they have signed a peace treaty and uh, the war is ended and everything's good and everything's all right. But within about a month, they're fighting again or it never does stop. And, uh, and really what happens is they say peace, but there really never is any peace. And if there is any peace, it's never a lasting peace. But Jesus' peace is different than that. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give, give I unto you. Uh, Jesus gives peace. The world didn't give a Christian his peace and I'll tell you Jesus gives it to us and we can have it through him and there is a difference between the peace uh, that Jesus talks about and the peace uh, uh, that the world talks about. Uh, they, When something happens, they they have no peace. They, they lose it. They, uh, they just uh, break down. They... Uh, they go into mental institutions. They load guns. They do all this stuff because their peace does not last. But I've seen some Christians over the years. Uh, I've watched them go through some rough times. Uh, and uh, they still had the peace of God uh, uh, down in their heart. Amen. I see we have a demonstration of that in the Bible. And you say, where at? Well, over in Acts, there's several places, but in Acts 12 is a real good place uh, uh, to show about the peace of God. You see, it was a, it was a perilous time back then. 
they were persecuting the church. Uh, they had cut James's head off and, and probably was going to cut Peter's off and others that they were persecuting and it was a time of very perilous, much more than tonight, uh, much more than what we're going through tonight. Uh, and they took Peter and they locked him up, apprehended him, locked him up in jail and they put four quadrants of soldiers to keep him. Amen. Always amazed me when they come to arrest Jesus, they brought 600 men to arrest one man. And here uh, they put Peter in prison. They got four quadrants of soldiers just to keep an eye on him and watch him. Did you know the world's afraid of a real, true, born-again child of God? Scares them to death. Amen. And so the Bible said that they put him there and it said, Peter therefore, verse 5, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And it said, And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell from off his hands. Now here's my point. Uh, here's a man that he knows uh, uh, that they've already cut James's head off. He knows that. They've got him locked up in prison, uh, and yet there he is asleep between two soldiers, probably bound with a chain, uh, uh, you say, how in the world uh, could a man sleep in a situation like that? Well, neighbor, he just didn't sleep. He was sound asleep. Uh, uh, the angel couldn't just shake him. The angel had to smote him to wake him up. Uh, I mean, he was really, really asleep. You say, how could a man sleep in a time like that? Well, he must have the peace of God. Don't you think so? Uh, uh, he wasn't worried about nothing. You say, why did he have the, such a peace like that? I'm fixing to tell you. In John 21, verse 18, when Peter got back right with God, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but in verse 18, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, and thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest, uh, but when thou shalt be old, uh, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another gird thee, and carry thee wherever thou wouldest not. Jesus Christ had already told Peter he's going to live to be an old man. And he knew he wasn't about to die in that prison. He's not an old man. You know why he had peace? He was resting it on the word of God. What the Lord said. The Lord said, you're not going to die. You're going to live to be an old man. And so they locked him up, bound him up. And he went sound asleep. That's my guess. Some soldiers couldn't get much sleep because of his snoring. Amen. But I want you to know that he was at perfect peace. Amen. I've seen people in all kinds of situations, but yet they're in perfect peace. God does not want a child of God wringing their hands, walking the floor, swallowing handfuls of nerve pills. God, listen, I'm not condemning you if you do that, but that's not God's plan. God wants us to trust Him, amen, and let Him be the peace of God that passeth all understanding in our life. You see, we have a direct, direct, direct command from Jesus 
He said, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Uh, that's what he said in that same verse there, verse 27. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, and so the Lord tells you and me tonight, ain't no use wringing your hands about what's going over in Russia. Ain't no use of worrying about uh, them sending a bunch of tanks over there. And Biden just a few months ago, Biden said, why, if we were to send tanks over there, it'd be World War III. Uh, uh, three months later, he's sending tanks over there. Uh, uh, but there ain't no use you worrying about that. You say, why, you can't do a cotton-picking thing about it, amen. Uh, uh, but the Lord uh, has promised that he uh, uh, will take care of you and he uh, uh, will take care of me, amen. And so first of all, if you're not saved tonight, uh, I don't know every heart here tonight. Uh, I've, I've preached and thought everybody was saved and somebody wasn't and got saved. Uh, only the Lord knows the heart. But I'm just saying tonight that if you're here and you're not saved uh, and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you're not going to have any lasting peace among perilous times uh, without Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, number two. I'm talking about how to have peace in perilous times. That's where we're at. Don't you want it? First, first of all, receive Jesus Christ. Secondly, remain in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, you can receive Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you what happens when you receive Him. It's Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we... Have peace with God. All right, when we get saved, don't you remember that night you got saved uh, and you had the uh, you had a peace of God? Uh, it felt like the world was lifted off of you. Uh, you weren't worried about going to hell. You was able to sleep that night, uh, and uh, the Lord gave you peace. Uh, but can I tell you, over in Romans eight, uh, uh, you can uh, lose that peace. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible said there is therefore now. Uh, no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Uh, uh, now listen, neighbor, I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation. You won't lose that. That's, uh, that's of the Lord and it's His doing. It ain't your doing. You, you didn't save yourself. You can't keep yourself. Uh, uh, but I want to say this tonight, uh, uh, that you can lose your peace. Uh, how do you lose your peace? Not your salvation, but your peace. I, I know all kinds of people that's saved tonight and they ain't got a bit of peace. I, I, you say, why? Because they're doing opposite of what the Bible said. The Bible said uh, they're, they're walking after the flesh uh, instead of the Spirit. Uh, so if you're going to maintain a right relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you have to walk in the Spirit, amen, uh, uh, and you'll have peace. Do you know any backsliders that's got peace? I don't. I don't know one. Any backsliders got real peace? I, they couldn't have. I, I, they're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, they may not be worried about going to hell, I, I, but they have a troubled spirit and a troubled heart. I, you say, why? Because they're not, they're not keeping a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I, Jesus Christ saving us was his business. Uh, our staying in a right relationship is our business tonight. Amen. Uh, uh, you see tonight, uh, if we're going to maintain a right relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, uh, we have to practice holiness. 
Now I know that's not a Baptist word. Uh, that's like a Nazarene word or old time Nazarene or old time Wesleyan or old time Methodist. Uh, uh, not a Baptist word, that word holiness, but it's a Bible word. The Bible said without holiness no man will see the Lord. You say, you mean if I'm not 100% holy I can't go to heaven? He didn't say that. I, he said without holiness no man will see the Lord. I, uh, if you're not living right, walking right, and doing right, and living holy, uh, you're not going to see God in your everyday life. Amen. Uh, you just can't do it. You see, the Bible said in 1 John 3 and 21, great verse, we don't hear it much, uh, but the Bible said if your own heart condemns you, uh, God is greater than your heart. Uh, you say, what's that mean? Oh, you know what it means. Uh, you say a little something you shouldn't say, and your heart condemns you. Go somewhere you shouldn't go, your heart condemns you. Well, what the Bible's saying, if, if you, you're, you're Adamic, sinful, wicked nature, even after you're saved, if your heart tells you it's wrong, don't you know God's higher than you are and God's higher than I am, and it's wrong with me, then it's wrong with God. You say, well, what do you do about that? Well, you ask the Lord to forgive you, and uh, you don't do it again. If you do do it again, you ask the Lord to need more help. Help me, Lord. You keep on asking the Lord and asking God for help till you get it. Amen. Uh, the Bible said, over I quote it this morning, 2 Peter 3 and verse 11, the Bible said that uh, we ought to live godly and all holy and godly conversation looking for and hasten the day of God. And so the Bible says that we need to live right, talk right, uh, act right, be right. Amen. Isaiah said over in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 19 uh, this is partially quoted in Romans 10 when it talks about salvation but he said uh, verse 19 I create the fruit of the lips peace, peace there's our word to him that is afar off in other words that's you and me remember Ephesians 2 uh, uh, we were afar off and without God in the world and without hope uh, but the Bible said there was peace, peace to those that were afar off. In other words, the Lord is saying for us Gentiles and those that were afar away from God and we had no hope, the Bible said there was some peace for us. Amen. I'm glad I found it, aren't you? And the Bible said uh, in verse 20 though, he said, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Amen. In other words, there's no such thing among perilous times uh, to have any peace uh, if we're not keeping a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I think it's more important right now to keep a right relationship with Jesus Christ than any time in my Christian ministry. Amen. You say, why? Because we're... We're living in perilous times, amen. amen. And so we need to practice holiness. We need to pray always, amen. amen. I'm talking about how to remain, how to retain a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's impossible to pray to the right person and to pray in the right way and not have a right relationship with Him. Amen. It's impossible to do that. You see, the Bible said in Philippians 4 and verse 7, the Bible said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. You say, what's that mean? Well, moderation. You know what it means to be in moderation. So you don't, you don't buy up and 
save up and stack up like you're going to be here for 300 years. You're not. Amen. You're to live in moderation. You say, why? Like you might be leaving uh, pretty soon. And you might be leaving pretty soon. Amen. But the Bible said that we ought to pray. I love that verse, Philippians 4. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's right there. The Lord is at hand. Meaning he might come. And he said, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, everything, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Watch it. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You know what happened to Peter over there in between them two things? People look at it and scratch their head and say, how could he do that? How could he How could he sleep like that? I'll tell you how he could. He had the peace of God that passeth all understanding. You can't explain it, but he had it. He had it. I've seen people, and you have. Man, the situations they're in. I like 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. You say, what does it say? You just simply pray without ceasing. I like Luke 18 and 1. You say, what does it say? Well, uh, I go off somewhere, and, uh, and some of y'all has been with me when I go places, and, and I don't know why they do it. I, it always makes me feel bad when they do it, but they'll, they'll line up and they want me to sign their Bible. And uh, I hate to sign it because I didn't write it. You know, most people sign the book, they wrote the book. But they have all these preachers' names in the front, you know, that, that signed it, and so I don't mind it. But when I sign it, I always do this. I always put it under it, Luke 18, 1. You say, what's that say? It says, it says that men ought always to pray, amen. One of the most important things that you can do to maintain a right relationship with Jesus Christ is spend much time in prayer. I love that old song, Are You Lefty Room This Morning? Did You Think to Pray? I love that. I love that old song, Take Time to Be Holy. I like to get in the prayer room and you don't like to hear me sing but I like to get in the prayer room and I like to sing to the Lord and I'll sing early in the morning. Are you left the room this morning? Did you think to pray? I like to get in there and, and, and sing that old song, Take Time to Be Holy and Speak Off with the Lord. You say, what's that do? That helps you maintain a right relationship with Jesus Christ. If you talk to Him a lot, spend a lot of time with Him, The psalmist said, Evening and morning and noon I will cry aloud and thou shalt hear my voice. You say, why did it say it that way? Evening, morning, and noon. Because the Jewish day started in evening and run till the next day at noon. So you and I might say it this way. Morning and at lunch and at evening, Lord, you're going to hear my voice. I'm going to cry aloud unto you. Amen. I like what Dr. Arnold always said. He said, uh, it's not really that important how long you talk to God, but it is important that you don't go very long without talking to God. I like that, amen? So pray always. And then position your mind. You say, what do you mean? Isaiah 26, 3, you know the verse. I will keep him at perfect peace that's mind is stayed upon thee. 
You see, I got to position my mind. Not only do I have to pray, but I have to position my mind. You say, what are you doing? I can't let, I can't let Fox News and, and uh, NBC and ABC and all these places, I can't let them control my mind. You say, if I, why? Because if I do, I'm not going to have any peace in these perilous times. I mean, who could have peace listening to one negative thing after the other? And that gets in your mind. That controls your mind. I, I hardly watch any news anymore. I might watch Newsmax 10 minutes a week just to see what's going on. And you know what I found out? Ain't nothing going on. I didn't figure it was going on. I'll tell you something is strange right now. Ever since I've been a kid, old enough to you know see the TV and not watch the news when my parents would watch it or my grandparents would watch it, I can't never remember a time that Israel wasn't always on that news. They're never on it anymore. Did you notice that? There's never anything on the news about Israel anymore. You say, what's that? Well, that's that anti-Semitism that's spreading across uh, the world, amen. They're trying to get everybody to forget about them and to hate them, but God ain't forgot about them. Amen. amen. So I will keep thee at perfect peace that's mind is stayed upon thee. How do you have perfect peace? How do you get your mind stayed upon the Lord? Well, you have to put your mind in some things about the Lord. The Lord's not on Fox News. I know there's a bunch of Catholic TV's announcers on there like to think, make you think they know God, but they don't know nothing about old time salvation. Amen. You say, how do you know? Because you remember when they locked that woman up, uh, that county court clerk, I went to several of the rallies for her across the country in different places and can't remember her name right now. What was her name? Cheryl bought me the book. What was it? Karen Davis. And they had Karen Davis on Fox News. And Karen Davis had been married, I, I can't remember, once or twice. Uh, she'd been married a couple times, maybe three. And they had that blonde-headed Fox News host that got fired. They had her on there and she was interviewing her. And, uh, and, and of course, that, that lady, she, she was talking about the Lord and everything. And, of course, she brought up her past. And she said, well, she said, how can you, how can you refuse... Uh, to marry these people when you've been married two or three times yourself and you've done this and you've done that. And boy, she looked, she looked that old gal straight in the eye and she said, because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and it cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Uh, uh, that, every bit of the blood went out of that uh, woman's face and she said, we got to go to a station break, amen. Yeah, I bet you did. You see, if she'd known anything about God, she'd been shouting with her. Amen. You see, Second Corinthians, the Bible said that our weapons, our weapons of our warfare, spiritual warfare, we're in a spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Uh, that means they're not like that nine millimeter that I've got, or that uh, shotgun, or that. Uh, 22 Magnum or uh, or that uh, uh, that uh, 308. They're not like that. Those are carnal weapons. And I can't use them. If I could, I'd done kill the devil. If I could get him in my scope on my rifle, I'd done blow the hole in him. 
But you see, he's not physical, he's spiritual. So I have to have spiritual weapons to fight against my spiritual enemy and the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. Uh, it's prayer, it's the Bible. Uh, but no, you say, well, that ain't nothing. The Bible said my weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty Amen. through God Amen. to the casting down of every imagination, every evil thought. Well, I'm telling you folks that you need to read that Bible. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. Bradley just asked me tonight, said, how do you recommend reading through that Old Testament and all them names and all that? And I said, well, Bradley, it's like I told you, buddy. I said, I get that uh, audio Bible on my phone. And I said, I get my Bible out and I read it along with them. And, uh, and sometimes I'll read 30 chapters before I go to bed at night. You wouldn't believe what that does to you. It's like you've took your brain out and scrubbed it and cleaned it. I sleep all night. I, I, don't have, I don't have any bad thoughts or bad dreams whenever I read the Word of God and get that in my mind. You say, why? It's like, it's like giving yourself a bath on the inside. Don't knock it till you try it. Amen. I had a young man used to come to church here. And he come to me one day and he said, Preacher, can you help me? I said, I don't know, maybe. He said, I got insomnia real bad. He said, I can't sleep. I, I sit up all night long. I said, yeah, I can help you. I said, read the Bible. He said, what? I said, read the Bible. I said, you know, every time you read the Bible, you get sleepy. And I said, if you don't get sleepy, I said, worst thing about it, you'll have your Bible read through when morning comes. Amen. Well, he never did come back. I, I don't know if that helped him or not, but you see, you've got to position your mind. Paul's in a prison. You read Philippians. Does Paul sound like he's got peace in perilous times? Isn't the key word of that book, that little three-letter word, joy? Doesn't he sound like he has the peace of God? You know why he has it? He tells you in that book. He said, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. Amen. The only way you're going, to have, you're going to have peace in perilous times is you've got to think the right thoughts. Amen. See, a lot of that stuff the devil puts in your mind never happens. Never happens. You say, well, some of it does, some of it might, but a lot of it never happens. Just worries you to death, worry yourself to death about something you can't do nothing about or something you can't help. It. One preacher said it this way. He said, here's a good rule about worrying. If it's something you can fix, go fix it. If you can't fix it, pray about it and quit worrying about it. Let the Lord take care of it. Amen. All right. I'm talking about how to have peace in perilous times, and brother, we're in them. First of all, you need to be saved. You need to receive Jesus Christ. You need to remain in a right relationship between you and your Savior. And only you know that. I can't judge that. I'd be wrong if I tried to. Uh, that's between you and God. You know if you're saved or not. The Lord ain't going to let you go to hell not knowing. I mean, how could you get saved if you didn't know? 
So if you're not saved, the Lord's letting you know right now. He's already let you know. And uh, you need to do something about it. Number three, have a real assurance of Jesus Christ in your life. You say, what do you mean? 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Have you? Have you believed on the name of the Son of God? That's who this is wrote to. He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. What for? That you might know. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a salvation you couldn't know. What good's that? You know, a lot of these denominations, and I won't get into all of them tonight, but a lot of them, you go to them, they say they know how to be saved, and it's different from the way you got saved. And they say you got to do this or you got to do that. And then you ask them, you say, well, are you saved? They say, I don't know. I hope I am. Isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard? No. The Bible said right here, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. You say, how would a man know? Has there ever been a change in your life? 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Listen, neighbor, I don't care if you come down to this altar every Sunday morning, if you're still, if you're still carousing, still drinking, still cussing, still doing all things that are against God, you didn't get saved. The Bible said things change when you get saved. You're not perfect. You're not the third person of the Trinity, but there ought to be a change in your life. You ought to want to start coming to church where you used to, didn't you? You ought to have a little interest in preaching where you used to, you didn't care much for it. You ought to like gospel singing a little bit. There ought to be a change in your life. Things that you used to love, oh, you loved them. But now you ought to despise them and hate them. Bothers you to see somebody else doing it. Because you know how it was. There ought to be a change in your life. No change, no salvation. There ought to be a change somewhere. I mean, that's what the Bible said. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. When you got saved, wasn't there some old things passed away? You said, well, I got saved when I was a kid. Maybe there wasn't a bunch of old stuff to pass away. That may be true. I got saved when I was a kid. But something happened to me at 10 years old that I knew was nothing of this world. I didn't go to church that morning to get saved. Something got a hold of me back there and got me under conviction. I didn't, I'm only 10 years old. I hadn't, I hadn't got drunk. I hadn't done a lot of this stuff. But that morning, the Holy Ghost came upon me in that invitation and I felt so guilty. Convicted. You say, what happened? I went, I went to the altar and I got saved and the Lord began to make a new creature out of me and things began to change. I'm talking about a real assurance of Jesus Christ in your life. Not only get saved, but there ought to be Christ working in your life. Philippians 1 and 6 said, Be in confidence of this very thing, that he that hath begun, that's getting saved, he that hath begun a new work in you, I, I will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
And I'll tell you something else I don't know about. I don't know nothing about these people that get saved uh, get saved early in life and they never ever ever darken the door of a church or anything like that. The Bible said if he begun a work in you, he'll continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that gives me real assurance, neighbor. I know I've had a change. That gives me real assurance. I know Christ is working in my life. And he'd like to work a lot harder than what I allow him to sometimes. But he's working in my life. And I'll tell you another way I know. Because when you get saved, you're a new creature in Christ. When you get saved, Christ begins to work in your life. But when you get saved, there's some chastening in your life. If you're a child of God, the Bible said that the Lord's going to chastise you. I mean, listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12.3. It said, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be aware and fight in your mind. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, my son, notice that son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receives. If ye endure chastising, God dealeth with you as with sons. In other words, that chastisement, that means correction. It don't mean God kills your kid. It don't mean God kills your wife. It could be to that degree, uh, but it could be a very light correction of God. Uh, uh, He just might speak to you through the Bible and correct you. Uh, The Lord may uh, let something happen out in your life. You might lose your job. You might have this to happen or that to happen. But the Bible said, if you're a child of God, He's going to chastise you. I got an old boy on my mind tonight. Used to attend church here and I loved him to death. But he was a weak brother. And he'd get doing good for the Lord and live for the Lord. Man, he had... Uh, he just had a, a lot of charisma and God used him when he was right with the Lord. God had used him. But he kept falling off the wagon. And I always had problems with alcohol. And he'd do good for two or three months then he'd fall off again. You say you think you're saved? Well, I wouldn't had it not been but every time he tried to do something, something bad happened. He'd have a wreck. He'd get caught. He'd get thrown in jail. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that he was a child of God and he just kept stepping out of line and the Lord just had to keep chastising him over and over and over again. I've seen kids come through the church and and you know some kids, you never have to whip them. I don't think there's any you never have to whip really. I think you ought to whip them at least one time just to be safe. Because the Bible said that, Amen. But I've seen kids in the church and I've seen their, their parents. It wasn't that they didn't make a mind. I mean, they, uh, they'd, they'd beat them half to death, but they just wouldn't get it. And I've seen them get them by the ear and drag them across the room, slap them in the mouth. And, and it seemed like it wouldn't get no better, maybe for a little while, then they'd be doing something else again. And I noticed one day, that's the way your children are, my children are. But those God's children is the same way. 
He's got some he has to hold by the ear and pull them all the way along. He's got some he has to whip two or three times a week. That's all the way he can keep them in line. Amen? You say, man, that's bad. No, that's good. Because the Bible said if you don't have that and you name to be, aim yourself to be saved, the Bible says that you're a bastard and not a son. You don't even belong to God, so He's not going to correct you. But if God corrects you, that means you're His child. Amen. That gives me a real assurance in the Lord because I've had some of them whoopings from the Lord, ain't you? I know Christ is working in my life. It gives me assurance. I know there was a change from what I used to be. All right, fourthly, not only do we need to receive Christ, be saved, not only do we remain in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, not only do we need a real assurance that Jesus is working in our life and in our life, but we need to retain a Romans 8 philosophy of the life in Jesus Christ. You say, what is it? You know Romans 8, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And that's mostly where we end our quote at, but it don't end there. And he said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen, you can never have any peace, and I can never have any peace in my life trying to figure out everything that goes on in my life. And I know we've had some folks in our church back through the years that had some stuff, bad stuff happen. But I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking about how to have, I'm talking about how to have peace in perilous times. There's folks, anything could happen. The way things are today, you'd go to the drugstore and pick up your mess and get shot while you're standing there. I mean, these are perilous times. Anything could happen. Uh, Nothing would surprise me. If World War III broke out this week, that wouldn't surprise me. But I can't walk around like this. I can't hide in a corner and be afraid to go to the grocery store to get a gallon of milk. I can't live in fear because God don't want me to. And He said, perfect love cast out fear. You say, well, how do you deal with that? I have to realize that if I go to the grocery store and I get shot picking up a gallon of milk, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. It's all a part of God's plan. You see, God give us a promise here. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. That didn't just say all things work together for good. It said all things work together for good. Qualified to them that love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? Then all things in your life will work for good. You might not explain it. You may not understand it. uh, But you need to believe it. And, And the only way you can have peace in your mind is to know that you belong to Jesus Christ whatever He lets come into your life, whatever it is, that God's going to work it together for good. God's going to bring some good out of it. So we have that promise, but then we have 
this thing of predestination. Why is God letting this stuff come into my life? Because He's predestinated me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He's trying to make me like Jesus Christ. The Bible said, and I don't understand it, but Jesus Christ learned obedience by the things He suffered. Well, if He had to suffer some things and go through some things, and if we're going to be like Him, don't you think we will too? But you see, the world and the devil's in a predicament. You say, what do you mean? Because the Bible said, if God be for us, God is for us. Sometimes it don't seem that way, but God is for us. Brother Ziegler, my old preacher friend's in heaven tonight. He used to say, Brother Prophet, sometimes it seems like God's against us. I said, what do you mean, Brother Ziegler? And he said, well, you study all week and pray, get your real hot sermon, can't wait to get in the pulpit. And it comes a foot of snow on Saturday night. Ain't snowed all week. Said you get your service all lined out and ten people come down with COVID. And it looked like, it looked like God's against you. And he'd say, Brother Prophet, it would seem that way if it wasn't for Romans 8 because the Bible said He's not against us, He's for us. And He works all things together for our good You said, what's the world's predicament? The world's predicament is they're not up against me. They're up against God. If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, who can overcome us? So we need the right philosophy. You know, the uh, Mennonites and Amish, they have that philosophy. I remember a few years ago up in... I think it's Ohio. They had that school shooting. Somebody went there and killed a bunch of them kids. And they were interviewing that old Amish guy there on the news. And they were asking him uh, about it. And he pretty much just said Romans eight twenty eight. He said, I don't know why it happened. I don't know the if of it. But he said, uh, uh, our people just believe that, uh, that God's in control and God will work it all together for good. Amen. Well, that's why they have peace. And I don't. I'd expect they don't have much peace they used to have because used to they didn't have TVs, and uh, now they got them bigger than you do. Used to they didn't have phones; they'd use yours every now and then. And then they put a phone booth out in the car, and, and then they really got blessed. They come up with these cell phones, so they they don't have to take it in the house. They can just leave it outside. Amen. But you see, they didn't know all that stuff, and so they didn't worry about it. They didn't worry about it. You don't worry about what you don't know about. So if I'm going to have perfect peace, Brother Marty, I have to maintain a Romans 8 philosophy that God's in control and whatever happens in my life, God has to allow it. And if God allows it, even though I can't explain it, if God allows it, if I believe the Word, He works it all together for my own good. Amen. Amen. All right, let me give you this last thing. I'm talking about how to have peace in perilous times. Not only retain a Romans 8, 28 philosophy, the Lord's in control. Have real assurance that Jesus Christ is really in your life. It's not just talk, it's walk. Have a real assurance that Jesus is in your life. Have a, have a 
relationship with Jesus Christ that's as real as your relationship with your husband and wife, your kids, that live in the house with you. Talk to them every morning, see them every morning. You've got a relationship with them. Same thing ought to be true of Jesus Christ. You ought to talk to Him every day. You ought to read some of His book every day. You shouldn't wait till Sunday at 11 o'clock to have worship service. You'll just have you one in your closet or in your bedroom every now and then. It wouldn't hurt to have one every day. Amen. I remember Bob McCurry. Y'all pray for Bob. I showed some of you a picture of Bob. He's 80 year old this week. Bob's preached here every year for 14 years and in Jubilee and a lot of revivals and stuff. But Bob has about seven tumors on his brain. He has dementia real bad. He can't walk. He's in a He's in a wheelchair now. Uh, got all, all those different things uh, going on in his life right now. But I've heard him preach a lot of times this same verse. I remember him preaching a sermon on all things work together for good to them that love God and called according unto his purpose. Amen. Amen. Shall pray for Brother Bob and Miss Carol. Talking Jerry Miller in my office, he called me right before I come down here. I've been to office since three o'clock this evening, and and Jerry called me, and and Jerry's got cancer, and uh, I've been trying to get a hold of him, ain't been able to, and come find out he's been in the hospital. He got feeling bad, went to the ER, and his potassium was zero. They give him in a, over a period of time ten to eleven bags of potassium, got it back up where it's supposed to be. And uh, he said, I've been in the hospital, Brother Rick. That's why I hadn't called you back. I said, well, he said, but I wanted to thank you. He said, I, I know you called my name in prayer in the, in the announcements every Sunday and asked folks to pray for me. And he said, I know you're, you said you pray for me every day, twice a day, and I do. And he said, I just wanted to thank you for that. But he said, i got to let you go. He said, about time church started up here. I said, did you start back your Sunday night service? Because back in December, they'd never started it back from COVID. They don't have a lot. He said, yeah, we started it back. And he said, but he said, I've had five to call in tonight. So we don't have but about eight anyway on Sunday night. And he said, but uh, he said, uh, he said, I'll go ahead and preach anyway. He said, you know how preachers are. He said, they don't go by how they feel. They go by what they feel like they ought to do. And he said, God's called me to preach and I feel like I, I need to preach tonight. Maybe I can help one or two of them. Uh, and so, uh, you gotta have a, you got to have some endurance. You talk about endurance, little David up there in the Jewish hospital. He may be listening tonight. And, and some of them up there are a little depressed. They texted me this evening and said, uh, said, depressed. Well, who wouldn't be? Been in the hospital for uh, going on four weeks. Uh, he was on a ventilator. Uh, and all that down his throat for two weeks. Hadn't eaten a bite of food since uh, three weeks ago until uh, this week. I mean, who wouldn't be depressed? But I told him, I said, little David, I said, you got endurance, boy. I said, man, I wouldn't have made it through the first night with all that down me. But you see, all his life he's had to endure. It's all he's ever known. He's tough, boy. You know, he can't walk. But boy, you're talking about stout in his arms. As soon as I walk in up there, he always goes like that and he wants me to hold his hand. It's like putting it in a vice and somebody screwing it down. 
I said, ease up, boy. I said, man, I bet you could beat anybody arm wrestling. And they said, yeah, when he was in, the, when he was in college, they couldn't nobody beat him in arm wrestling. Sheila, you remember Jerry Woods we went to school with? He had one arm. It's just like that. It wasn't that big around. He, they give him a polio shot when he was a kid and something went wrong. His, his arm just never did grow. But old Jerry had this other arm. If you ever got in a fight and you couldn't handle it, you want to go get Jerry. And they couldn't nobody beat Jerry arm wrestling. You say, why? Because he used that one arm all the time. He, he was stouter than a bull. Amen. You see, if you, work on your, if you work on what's strong in your life, make it stronger. God can use it. Don't you think so? Alright. Rejoice. Here's here's the last point. Talking about how to have peace in perilous times. Rejoice in the hope of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of that. Isn't that what the Lord said in John 14, 1? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Here it is. If I go away, I will come again. Amen. 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 We have that hope. Listen to this. Here's what Christians live on. Here's what keeps us going. Christians live on Bible promises. That's what keeps us going. Like Romans 8, 28. We believe that. It keeps us going. Like uh, when they roll us somewhere like, uh, like David was. And they roll you somewhere and your family can't go in. Hebrews 13 and 5. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When we get sick, the Lord will heal us. Amen. We live from day to day on Bible promises. That's why you need to know your Bible so you'll know what the promises is. You see, how do we have peace in perilous times? Well, we keep looking for the Lord's coming. Amen. Amen. Titus 2.13 for the grace of God that brought salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteously and sober and godly in this present world. Here it is, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our hope, boy. Washington's not our hope. Trump getting back in is not our hope. He done been in once and he done good, but it didn't fix everything. Didn't fix everything. See, our hope is built on Jesus Christ. As a Christian, we we believe the promises of God. He said He's going to come back. And because we believe that, we live righteously and soberly and godly in this present world. If you don't live right, you're really not expecting Jesus to come back. Because the Bible said in 1 John 3 that every man that hath this hope purifies himself even as he's pure. In other words, I really believe he's coming today. I'm going to live right today. Amen. If I really believe the Lord's coming back, I ain't going to lay out of church for six months to a year. Because Hebrews 10.25 said, Do not forsake the assembly of yourself together. It's a matter of some is. Here it is. And so much the more 
because you see the day approaching. A lot of these churches are cutting back services. That's unscriptural. The Bible said so much the more as you see the day approaching. If we was going to do anything, instead of cutting out Wednesday night and Sunday night, we ought to add a Friday and a Saturday night as we see the day approaching. And then, of course, we can't never forget about the lost because we're the only ones that really understand what they're up against and where they're going if they die that way. Amen? Do you ever get to thinking maybe you don't care about the lost or you don't care enough for the lost? And I'm sure none of us care, care enough for the lost. But you ever get to feeling that way? Does an old devil ever tell you, man, you don't care about the lost? You see, the Holy Spirit wouldn't talk to you that way. The Holy Spirit would say, I oh, don't listen to him. If you don't care about him, why'd you leave them tracks at that restaurant and service station for if you don't care about him? Why well, don't listen to him if you don't care about him? Why, why'd you pray for that one this week? If you don't care about him. No, we don't care enough. We need to pray to care more. Paul said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is they might be saved. Paul said, he said, I wish myself accursed. In other words, he's saying, I wish that I could go to hell if they could be saved. No, I don't care about them that much. I wish they did, but I don't. But I do care about them. Used to, before I was right with the Lord, I didn't care if the whole world went to hell. I was going there myself, and I didn't care if everybody else went. The one sign that you really got saved as you begin to care about other people that wasn't saved. Amen. You never did care about before. And probably the first one, probably your family. Somebody in your family probably is who it was. It's the way it works. But Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6 said, They that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing and bringing their sheaves with them. And so... Paul said of the the church there at Thessalonica, Paul said, you are my crown of rejoicing. People, Paul had won to the Lord. He said, that's going to be my crown of rejoicing when I get to heaven. I get to see you again. Get to see the people I prayed for. Maybe maybe I I, I went to them in a church service and told them I loved them. I was praying for them. Wished they'd get saved. I don't know what it was. But I'm just saying... If you want to have perfect peace in perilous times, there's the prescription. There's the prescription. I know it'll work because Paul is never one place anywhere in the Bible would even indicate that he's about to wring his hands. He don't know what's going to happen. Perilous times Paul was in. Peter asleep between two soldiers, perilous times. He's sleeping like a baby. And if you wouldn't believe Peter or Paul, would you believe your Savior? He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, just settle it in your heart. Don't worry about these things. All these things must be. But the end ain't yet. Well, if the end ain't yet, that means you and I got a little bit more time. Try to get a few more in. Win a few more to the Lord. Scoot up a little closer to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just come to you tonight.